the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And uh, don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. If you go there, you get the daily wink, what you need to know. And uh, that email, which comes out at 5 a.m. Pacific time, every morning you'll get a, some key links to articles, some key audio, and what you need to know. So it'll set your day off. I recommend instead of listening, uh, excuse me, instead of watching television, any kind of television, the t- television news, you can watch uh, sports if there's any, I don't know, Korean baseball, and you can watch uh, movies and things. But if you're going to watch news, just turn it off and just do two things every day. Get the wink in the morning, go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up there, or, and listen to this program. You'll get everything you need to know. You won't lose your mind. It'll help you. It'll be much better. And... Here at the beginning of the program, I'm going to tell you what you need to know about racism, about the current moment, likely to get some people mad. Not the listeners that agree with me, but others. But that's okay. That's what we're here for. And uh, it feels like we've gotten to the point where we actually can say some things that we used to have to hold back on. Um, So it's great to be with you. Ed Martin here, the Pro-America Report. And uh, we got some great interviews later on. You want to want to hang in there. If you can't hear those interviews right here on the show, if you run off to do something else, you can always also visit ProAmericaReport.com, see them there, or go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com, get the show as a podcast. So there you have it. All right. Um, let me um, I'll, I'll just let me set this up first. About a year ago, maybe a year and a few months, could have been, it could have been the Super Bowl uh, one year and a few months ago, right? So 15, 16 months ago, we had a friend over to our home, my wife and I, and it was a friend of uh, ours, a woman and her husband. And her husband is Italian, uh, born and raised in Italy and has been a banker all over the world, actually. Very interesting man, very bright, um, very thoughtful, very Italian and wonderful. And we had a great conversation. Towards the end of the evening of the Super Bowl, you know, I don't even know who won or lost, so I don't remember. And um, he said something like this. The biggest surprise he's had, and he's been living in America for 10 or 15 years, married to an American girl, American woman, for 20 years, 25 years. He's got five kids and all. He said the biggest surprise in America in the last few years is how rapidly American society, American people, and the people in America have become uh, accustomed to self-censorship, to holding back on saying what's true. And I tell you, if my wife and I have talked about that comment once, we've talked about it a hundred times because it rang so true a year and six months ago. 
So here's what I want to tell you regarding racism and all this stuff that's going on where Black Lives Matter accuses everyone and everybody about of being racist and of things like structural racism, white, super, uh, white privilege. Here's what I have to tell you. It's all a lie. You understand what I'm saying? It's all a lie. Here's what we know. Every human being will have biases in their way of being. Some people, you know, like blondes, some like brunettes, some like ice cream, some don't. Some are bigots, some are anti-Semites. There's lots of things that we have biases that we have to change and get better about. None of certain ones are unacceptable, right? We, we learn that and we have to teach ourselves that. But people are people and they're flawed. And so we count on the fact that when you're a little kid and you say or do something dumb, you can be instructed on how to be better. And the the bigotries of mistreating people, bullying, there's a whole bunch of things about bullying that seem to me to be sort of natural, that young people, when they're little kids, they want to take, they want to dominate another kid for lots of reasons that have to do with anger and greed and mostly just being human and flawed. But here's what we know. When people like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the mainstream media and politicians like Pelosi and others lecture us, Biden and others, lecture us on being racist, they're the racists. They're the ones that lump into categories people, especially, frankly, white men. White men. If you're a white man, you have the least ability to have any kind of privilege. Give me a break of the kind that we're talking about. I'm not complaining, but there's, there's all kinds of people that have privilege. Rich privilege seems to me to be the biggest privilege. If you want to talk about that, height privilege Tall people do better. You know that, right? There's all studies that show that. Good-looking privilege. Well, that's one that I have. I'm just kidding. But that's, that's about all these kinds of things, right? So there, what is this about? What this is about, and this is the important thing. This is what I'm, I'm no longer self-censoring when I tell you this, is what I see this as is not only are they bigoted, the people that are saying all these things, they're bigoted, they're hateful, they're, they're, they're spewing racism themselves, they're making up terms to demean you, to demean me, to drive us apart. But here's what they fundamentally are. They're anti-American. And, and no one's been saying that. They're, they're anti-American. The people that talk like this themselves are not just racist. They are racist. They keep lumping people together as if all black people think one way, as if all white people think one way, all that kind of stuff. It's all a lie. Again, I've, I've told you and taught you and talked about it. It doesn't mean we're perfect, right? The preamble to the Constitution, which I love to cite so much, we the people of the United States of America, actually, it's we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, even at our founding, at the DNA of our country, we were acknowledging that we want to form a more perfect union and that our whole being in this country, our whole nature of America has been a striving for, to make ourselves more perfect. And man alive, we've needed it sometimes over others. And when you look at it, it's only because in those founding documents, those founding moments, that founding agreement, the sense of together that is American, it was Judeo-Christian, the founding. It is Judeo-Christian in its origins and in its roots and in its very being. Doesn't mean you have to be a Jew or be a Christian. Doesn't mean you have to believe in Judaism or believe in Christianity, but you do have to buy into the operating system, which includes that. 
Because once you have that system, you say, okay, we're going to do certain things. We're going to, you know, love our neighbor as ourselves. Yep. We're going to empower people. We're going to strive for the, for the uh, fulfillment of every human being as, as, as in the image and likeness of God. And we're going to acknowledge our imperfectness and the need to form a more perfect union every day. Okay. That's what's going on here. That's the reality of what is happening. And that's what's where we are. So we have this great American experiment and we're watching a certain number of people. And let me be clear. I think the number of Black Lives Matter and Antifa that are out there marching and trashing and doing Seattle's chop or chaz or whatever it is, which they're breaking up today because they've been killing each other. All those people are a small number of people. Add to them all the Democrat politicians, the liberal politicians in these urban cities and broken states that can't get control. And then add to them the media that has a business model wants we the people to feel bad about ourselves because they'll get us coming back. They'll hook us like a drug, hook us like an opioid to, the, to this feeling of, oh, we better find out what's wrong or how, what's going on. And, and so you put those three together, the, the small number of racists and bigots that are marching, the racists and bigots that are in office that back them up, and then the media, the racists and bigots in the media that, that perpetrate this stuff. And what you have is not a huge number of people, but a lot of influence. And here's what you need to know. We, the people, have to step up and we, the people, have to speak the truth. And the truth is to name the enemy here because they are not just bigots and racist and evil actors. They're also anti-American. And when something is anti-American, hurting the structure of our society, they deserve to be challenged. And the first part of challenging them is to identify, to admit it, to come clean, to stop self-censoring. That's the reality. That's the place we're in. That's the space we occupy. That's what we have to know. What you need to know and what you need to start doing is you need to know the truth and name it and start challenging it everywhere we go. The time for saying, oh man, these people are crazy to ourselves. No, no, it's past. It's now. Now is the time to challenge and to name it and to understand it. So if you didn't understand it till I just told you, now you do. They're the racists. They're the bigots. They're the supreme the supremacists. They're the, you know, they're the ones who have privilege. And the privilege that they're abusing is the American privilege. The privilege they're abusing is we the people. And it has to stop. That's what's at stake in the fall. That's what's at stake right now, between now and the fall, though. It's not just on the ballot. It's every day. It's every day. All right, we better take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We've got lots more today. It's Ed Martin. Don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. Get signed up for the Daily Wink. Get, keep yourself up to date. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. The Pro America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. You know, we've been talking about uh, this issue for, 
well, months now. The question, and I remember, remember folks, re, remember, you remember that I went down to Tampa Bay probably in January and was on a panel discussion. And one of the things that happened was a discussion about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. But then it, it, uh, it became a discussion on transgender um, athletes and the impact on sports. Well, there's only a few places where you've really seen the coming together of this in the legal context. And one of them has been led by uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which people often know so well as ADF. And if you go to ADFMinistryAlliance.org, it's a great website. And one of their team is Christiana Holcomb, who is uh, representing and helping three uh, young uh, women athletes in one of the uh, challenges to this uh, problem of this. So first, let me ask you, Christiana, before we visit uh, with with one of these young women, uh, tell us the context of the legal fight. You know, what what is it that you can help do? How are you doing it and what's going on? Sure. Well, back in 2017, in the state of Connecticut, for the first time, male athletes started to compete in the girls' category. And that's had a dramatic impact on female athletics across the state of Connecticut, such that two biological males now have 15 women's state championship titles that were once held by nine different girls. So clearly a a problem with ensuring that young women, like my clients, have access to equal athletic opportunities with males. So in response to that clear discrimination against female athletes, Alliance Defending Freedom has both filed a Title IX complaint with the United States Department of Education, and we've also filed a federal lawsuit asking a judge to stop the discriminatory policy and really protect female sports for young women. And before I go to Alana Smith, one of these, one of the young uh, women athletes, um, is the so the part that you file a complaint with the um, with the, the the federal government. I had heard the Supreme Court made the decision on the um, Title VII, uh, and it was a bad decision in, the, in this context. But that was only for employment. I mean, not Title VII. Uh, well, it was yeah, civil rights. Um, isn't isn't doesn't the education department that covers Title IX your complaint? Haven't they been on your side? And and therefore, will you win this quickly, or what's the story? Well, we've been very encouraged because yes, as you mentioned, the United States Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights did rule in our favor. So they initiated a full and complex investigation of the the policy there in Connecticut, the losses that young women have experienced um, in the athletic context, and they concluded that a policy that allows males to compete in the girls' category does violate Title IX. So that was a really encouraging step in the right direction, but it's not yet the end of the road. We're still waiting on the department to decide how it's going to enforce and require both the public schools in Connecticut and the Connecticut Athletic Association to bring their policies into compliance with the law. I see. Okay. All right. Let me turn to Alana Smith. Alana Smith is one of the the uh, plaintiffs in this case who has stepped up and had to get involved in litigation when most, uh, I'd say, young women would rather do other things. But welcome to the program, Alana. And tell me, first of all, what, what sports do you play? And, and describe the sort of uh, experience here in the last few years and why you ended up in this spot. Um, I do track and field, and then I also do cheerleading. I've been doing track since I was in fifth grade. And I started off doing the 400 and the 800, and then I realized that I did not like the 800 because it was just too much. So then I started right. doing the 100 and the 200. 
I think we're losing you. I'm sorry. I think we're losing the, the connection. So I don't know if maybe you can. Uh, I know where it was a three-way call in, but um, um, let's see if we can figure that out. Uh, get that uh, a little hook back up, and maybe we'll just keep talking with Christiana. Christiana, um, the three uh, plaintiffs that you represent are all three currently in high school, or in other words, were they? And you mentioned that it's the last year and a half. There's been this sort of allowance of this these uh, boys to come over and compete in girls' athletics. Were were these three uh, your three plaintiffs in that? You know how. What grades are they in and what was the impact on their, you know, you had to show some harm to them, right? So can you describe that? No, you're exactly right. So we have the privilege of now representing four female athletes in Connecticut. Two of them, the oldest two, Selena and Chelsea, just graduated as seniors in high school. Um, And then Alana and another plaintiff, Ashley Nicoletti, are still in high school. But all four of these young women have had significant losses due to biological males competing in women's sports. Um, So Hmm. Chelsea Mitchell, for example, she lost out on four state championship titles and two All-New England awards which really are quite prestigious and something that's really important to have on your athletic resume um, as you're considering trying to compete in college. Um, And Selena Soule, for example, lost out on the opportunity to advance to the next level of competition where she might have had the opportunity to compete in front of college scouts. Um, And Alana Smith, you know, she placed third in a race where, frankly, she should have been recognized as runner-up but a biological male displaced her and bumped her down in the rankings. So this has been repeated across the state of Connecticut numerous times where women are losing out on the recognition they deserve, the publicity they deserve, the the podium spots, the medals, and the opportunity to improve their race times and positioning to compete for those college scholarships. So it is the and maybe a different question, but you know one of the things that I admire about uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom is they t- they a lot of times they take the art, the fights that you know people otherwise wouldn't have a chance to engage in. You know, it's hard to find a, a lawyer that wants to you know need, they need to get paid and all these things. And ADF has this great model where they they help people that maybe didn't have a voice get into the arena. How have you found Christiana the issue playing out in terms of? Um, uh, popularity. I don't. I, I, you know, that's not the reason you take on legal fights. A lot of times, uh, Alliance mm-hmm. Defending Freedom takes on the ones where you're lonely. But this issue seems to resonate with a lot of people. I, I, it kind of cuts across, and people are like, finally, I'm glad someone's doing this. Is that is that as as as, as sort of salient as it seems? I would say both yes and no. So our clients prior to Alliance Defending Freedom really taking up this cause had been attempting in many respects to get legal counsel to have other Title IX attorneys take on this issue. No one would touch it. Um, One of our clients, Chelsea Mitchell's family, actually reached out to a number of women's organizations and feminist groups asking for help. No one would touch it. But on the flip side, I will say that now that, you know, courage begets courage. So now that these four brave female athletes in Connecticut were really the first to, to publicly stand up and say, this isn't fair. Like, women's sports were created and designed for biological females. Don't take away our opportunities. Now that these young, frankly, high schoolers are out in the public talking about their losses and the lack of fairness, it really has um, and encourage others to stand up as well. It's been really encouraging subsequent to filing to watch, you know, even radical leftist feminist organizations stand up and, and come to their aid and publicly advocate on behalf of the Connecticut athletes. So I do think that the broad general public does agree and can see the clear unfairness of allowing 
uh, individuals with all the inherent physical advantages that come with being male dominate women's sports, but it really, they lack the courage to, to really be vocal about it just yet. And so give me one more, one more uh, sort of where, where is it going? Where, where will this be headed now? You're in court. You're optimistic, I guess. I mean, you're, you're thinking, well, we've got the right positioning. But is this something that gets resolved on a fast track before school starts next year? Or is this dragging on? What, what's your projection on how it will play out? Well, unfortunately, I do not think it's going to be a fast track before the start of school next year. Um, unfortunately, with, hmm. with COVID, uh, it kind of slowed down the opportunities we had to put a pause on the bad policy for the spring track season. But I do say we are ultimately optimistic. Um, as you mentioned, there are female athletes and Americans across the country who recognize the fundamental unfairness of allowing males to compete in the female category. It clearly violates federal law in Title IX. So we are optimistic that ultimately we will be able to protect women's sports for female athletes. Well, it's very interesting and, and very important, and I encourage you. And uh, so many, I think a lot more folks, as you point out, it's it's both popular and not popular. I think there's a lot of folks in the country that want to see uh, what you're doing uh, be upheld, and then too many that probably are sitting back saying, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to get, uh, you know, I don't want to get attention. It's a, The culture is a funny one. So thank you, as always, to Alliance Defending Freedom uh, for standing up, and Christiana Holcomb for uh, being one, the lead lawyer on this and helping these young women, and uh, appreciate it very much. Keep us in the loop on it. We'd love to keep talking about it and help in any way we can to have the public understand. You know, I, I tell people that I've got I've got two daughters and two sons and uh, my daughter is the older of my family. She loves playing sports. It means a lot to her. And it's a it's a strange world where we think it's OK to diminish our daughter's opportunities like this. It's just as surprising. So thank you, Christiana Holcomb. And uh, we'll be back in touch. We got to take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, we will be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. And with us now is the Pro-Americanist Man of the Hour, John Schlafly. One half of the John of the Schlafly Report, which uh, publishes over at our sister site, townhall.com, each Tuesday late in the afternoon. And this week's column is called Unmasking the COVID Fear Factor. Um, so, John, you uh, are, in fact, a senior citizen. Are you afraid of getting COVID? Well, uh, uh, you know, I... I I've engaged in pretty much social distancing my whole life, uh, uh, yeah, so it's it's nothing new to me. I, I'm not really a good test of that, but <laughs> you're, I would you live like a you're like a, a conservative monk, a monastic existence. Okay, then we'll move off of that. All right, forget about that. Now, the, in this COVID, this column you have here, um, and what about this? I've heard a lot of people telling me that that President Trump um, he needs to be careful. That it's a little bit too hardline, you know, kind of disregard to never wear a mask. And what do you? I'm not talking about whether you should or shouldn't wear a mask. I'm saying, are we at a point where a lot of people think you should wear a mask? Is that a waste of time? Well, I don't think it's a waste of time. But is it? Is it? Should it be a test of what's going on? Should people use masks? What do you think about that right now? Well, the whole issue of a, of a mask, and we had a play on words in the call about unmasking the fear factor, but, uh, you know, so suddenly it's becoming a political thing. And uh, just to pick an example, the de- Democratic uh, uh, 
uh, mayor of St. Louis is just issuing a citywide order that everyone has to wear a mask. I don't know how she's going to enforce that in certain neighborhoods, but because uh, uh-huh. that's sweeping the country now. And we are hearing yeah. people complain that Trump doesn't wear a mask. Obviously, Joe Biden wears a mask. And it's unfair that Trump can speak to the nation and Joe Biden chooses not to. So (laughs) you can see where this is going. And, you know, we went for the first couple month or two of this, and there was a debate among Dr. Fauci and all the other so-called experts about whether there was any value in even wearing a mask. Uh, And uh, people said, no, there's no value in wearing a mask. People said that, and then they changed their mind about that. And now they're saying... You know, they want everybody to wear a mask, but it's, even if it's not an N95 mask. So I, I don't know what to say. And then you have the Antifa people who wear black masks as part of their, in, in an effort to keep them their faces from being caught on uh, the, the, uh, the cameras when they're looting stores. So uh, this whole business about masks, and of course... You know, there are laws in certain that date back to the Ku Klux Klan about forbidding the wearing of masks in public. And how does right. that fit into this whole issue? So, well, it is, it is extraordinary. It's extraordinary to say this. You know, one of the, I thought one of the solutions to the, to the Antifa, you know, last year was enforce those laws that make it so you can see their faces so you can prosecute them now you have everybody everybody can wear a mask and be you know and and be uh unknown i mean maybe i guess maybe there's some technologies that can you know look sort of through at your eyes and things but you're right about that john back to one thing on this the the i, I know you write about it and, and your fellow uh columnist andy schlafly is really an expert on this but i do want to touch on it the uh, hydroxychloroquine um which is um, they, I, they, they, this drug that's been around for 50 years or 75 years used for uh, malaria f- uh, uh, related, at least some of the chloroquine is I uh, used for some other um, uh, immune, immune uh, types, to, immune, autoimmune diseases to some effect. In other words, the reason I say all that is they know the side effects. You don't grow three heads when you use it. You don't have, you know, cancer complications. Some people have some uh, GI issues and maybe some headaches, but it's very manageable. And yet, you you know, Andy Schlafly has been arguing from his perspective, he works with uh, some physicians uh, through the American Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, that, you know, why not use this as prophylaxis? Others are. I think it was the president of Peru, maybe, or one of the smaller Latin American countries. He said, yeah, we're on, we're on it. They told us to be on it prophylactically. And trust me, all the, all the leaders are. President Trump tried it. John, what's your feeling on it? Is it, again, a political football? Is it, um, it, is, it has is it been sort of... Football, yeah. and obviously, if President Trump used it prophylactically, now of course that means, you know, the president is, we're told, is was never infected and never got sick. And uh, the prophylactic means you take the drug before you come down with symptoms. But what many people don't realize, I'm not even sure the president realizes it, is that you can't get it if you do not have symptoms. Uh, because orders have gone out to many of these state regulators of pharmacies that they are not to dispense the drug to uh, people unless they have been diagnosed with uh, and they're sick in the hospital. Now that's so in other words, they're keeping the drug from the very people who should have access to it, just as President Trump did. Uh, 
And that situation, I, I don't understand why we've allowed that situation to continue. Now, for more than a month since President Trump told the nation that he took it uh, prophylactically, meaning to prevent getting the symptoms of the disease. And millions of people should have the same access to that drug that he did. And why don't they? You know, the drug is not expensive. It's not rare. It's readily available. Why can't people get it? And yet they can't. Now, you know, your listeners can check with their own doctor and, and see if they could go to their doctor and get the drug. And in many cases, in many parts of the country, they'll find out that they cannot do that. And that situation is wrong, and we're trying to call attention to that. Uh, John, I want to sw- switch gears so I don't lose you, and I'll, I'll make sure we put this up on social media. But I don't want to—I don't want to miss a chance to ask you about um, uh, Seattle and uh, and the city, the urban problems. I mean, your your family, your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, grew up uh, just a few blocks from Portland Place. I don't know, ten blocks, twenty blocks away from Portland Place, where the McCloskeys, uh, husband and wife, stood uh, uh, with their uh, weapons to defend themselves. I think. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't one of the the extended Schlafly family lives right in that? Well, neighborhood yeah. I, I think fact, but where but, but, Phyllis, Phyllis grew up was yeah. was just one block from there uh, maybe it was even a oh, half well. a block so it was right around the corner so yes I'm very very familiar with that neighborhood I have uh, cousins who uh, uh, at least one cousin who lives right across the street from McCloskey in Portland Place and uh, I've spent I have other friends and relatives who live in nearby streets. It's a little unusual, but St. Louis has over a hundred of private streets, which often Mm -hmm. have a you know a a gate, and and the 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 twenty or thirty homeowners own the entire street and responsible for maintaining it and providing security. So when this when this mob of hundreds of people you know, broke down the gate uh, to march down the street in front of the McCloskey home, they were trespassing even when they were in the street. And uh, the McCloskeys had every right to defend their property. And as uh, as he said, he this came just days after they watched uh, the 7-Eleven go up in flames with no police protection and no fire protection by a similar mob. Uh, uh, a couple of miles away in St. Louis. So, John, you know what? What happened today in Seattle is they cleared the they, they, the mayor finally cleared the the uh, Chaz or Chop or whatever. It looks like it was uneventful. The clearing out, the police went in. What, what's the answer, John? I mean, and I know you were you were a young you were young. It was in in the late sixties, early seventies. What you wouldn't have been necessarily as involved in politics as you are now and seen it. But you know, are we are people going to reject the lawlessness, or are we at a different time? Should there be more uh, clearing out of these cities? What's your feeling on this? What's happening? Well, uh, the question is, of course, Trump has issued an executive order, which uh, I think he should have done it a couple weeks before he did. And there is a question of what it really applies to or what it can be done if it isn't a federal property or federal jurisdiction. But And then uh, I believe that uh, President Trump is it's going to make it a campaign issue. The issue, though, is whether he'll be able to tag Joe Biden with the radicals uh-huh. in the Democratic Party. And people seem to have a benevolent idea, you know, approach to 
uh, Joe Biden as if he himself is uh, relatively inoffensive. And you notice that just yesterday, uh, he sort of uh, made a half-hearted defense of the statutes. Uh, he said he was not mm-hmm. in favor of taking down these statutes. And yeah, yeah. That was the, that's the first time that I can think of in the last few months that Joe Biden has, uh, you know, we used to speak Commented. of the sister, yeah. sister soldier moment that Bill Clinton did. Uh, in other words, he yeah. separated himself from the radicals and the, the Democratic Party. And we'll see if that really yeah. lasts, because yeah. I really I really think that the radicals are in charge. And if he's elected, yeah. they will be in charge of the government. I think you're right. I think you're right. John, unfortunately, I have to go. We ran out of time. You were talking too long about uh, about uh, hydroxychloroquine. We got to run. Um, we'll have John Schlafly back next week. As always, he is uh, one half of the Schlafly Report over at townhall.com, and also all of his columns are archived at phyllisschlafly.com. We got to take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Everyone knows the spending of our federal government is out of control. The common phrase, spending money like you're in Congress, shows we're all aware of just how wasteful the swamp is. Yet no president in modern history has shown a willingness to rein in government spending on wasteful line items. Thankfully, President Trump is no average president. Not only is he bold enough to take federal funding away from wasteful projects, but he'll do it even when some people won't like it. Only a fearless leader would be willing to permanently pull federal funding from the World Health Organization as our nation goes through a pandemic like COVID-19. Of course, Trump has every reason for doing just this. Cutting ties with the WHO was definitely the smart move. Their handling of COVID-19 has been completely atrocious. We give them $450 million every year. But when we needed help the most, they chose to pander to the communists in China rather than getting to the bottom of an infectious virus capable of taking many lives. The WHO refused to give America the transparency the world desperately needed. So President Trump diverted those funds to COVID-19 relief efforts that are actually making a difference. Even though there's a clear case to be made for cutting ties with the World Health Organization, the mainstream media raked President Trump over the coals for it. The leftist media made it sound like President Trump was cutting ties to a health organization because he's some kind of dictator. They conveniently left out all of the WHO's shortcomings. I'm glad we have a president willing to take some undeserved bad press for doing the right thing for the American people. America can be proud knowing our president won't spend like he's in Congress. Trump is, after all, a shrewd businessman who knows a bad deal when he sees one. If he sees our nation being swindled by another nation or some international bureaucracy, he's not afraid to do what has to be done. Thanks to his wise and bold action, America has another $450 million to put towards virus relief efforts that will actually help the people who are in need. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As President Trump fulfills his campaign promises, his accomplishments on trade, immigration, the economy, and protecting the unborn should be celebrated, not ignored or diminished. 
To track these victories, go to phyllisschlafly.com and find out what's next for the Trump presidency at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. And uh, I need to give you an update. I was having an exchange with one of our listeners. Uh, and you can always email me, by by the way, email or, or get in contact. Uh, you can go on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. Direct messages are open there. On Facebook, Ed Martin Live. Uh, you can go in there. And also you can email me directly if you'd like to, uh, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. Any of those ways to get to me. Or if you go to proamericareport.com to get uh, signed up there, you can... Um, you can uh, email me through there. There's a, it's a, uh, you can uh, drop an email through there in the, com- in the contacts, uh, and uh, it'll get to me. So um, update. This, is, this comment came in from Kevin. Yeah, Kevin in, uh looks like Orange County. I only have my notes. I wrote this down. But here's the topic he wanted to talk about. <clears throat> so um, the question is, why, so, he, so Kevin's comment is, why are the Democrats talking about the election uh, and the fact that uh, Trump would might not accept the results? And the answer is just because they want chaos, in my opinion. Uh, but here's how you know. OK, uh, in The New York Times, I, I tell you, if you want to read where the um, where the, the sort of left is going in their arguments against Trump, the places I go are Politico.com, leans left but not insane, and then The New York Times, which is left and insane. And so those two, I don't read The Washington Post. I can't stand to give Bezos uh, any time at all, even on his website. I figure he's got enough. But in The New York, in the New York Times, they're, they're the crazy left, but they're, it's directionally very helpful. So there is a guy who is a quote-unquote election expert. He's an academic. I think he taught in California. Um, I'll, I'll look up for sure. I think he taught um, uh, at uh, one of the Marymount schools or uh, uh, maybe, um, um, yeah, University of California, Irvine. That's where he taught. Sorry. Um, he's a professor of law and political science there, and he might have taught other places. Um, uh, but he is, um, yeah, he taught at Loyola. That's right. He taught at Loyola Law School, um, and uh, and he was there until 2011. Anyway, his name his name is Richard Hassan, H A S E N, and Richard Hassan is um, sort of an elections expert. His expertise is elections and how they work. Except he's a lefty, so he's not really just an academic. He's not an expert. He's a lefty, and he wrote this piece in the New York Times. And this is what this is the direction they're going in. His title is "Bring on the 28th Amendment," and his entire column is that there's not a voting. Voting is not used as an agent of equality. And that what we need is a, a, an amendment to the Constitution that can make it so that the elections are somehow equality providing. In other words, it seem, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it seem if you get a vote, you get a vote and I get a vote. That makes us pretty equal. If you're a 18 year old African-American, you get a vote. If you're a 90 year old white guy, you get a vote. If you're a 50 year old Hispanic woman, you get a vote. Everybody gets a vote. Seems pretty fair. See, he wants a new amendment like the Equal Protection, the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Law, Equal Protection Amendment, and, and he wants it to be passed so it can be used to do what? Guess what? It's used so you can sue and federal judges can start managing the elections. Okay? So this is his big insight. If you read this column, it says not, it has no real meaning. It's gobbledygook in circles. But it, all it says is that basically, and here it is, given the highly litigious nature of American society, American election law in particular, these political fights often wind up in court. And so that's what we should do is we should have them go into court more 
so with an, a special a constitutional protection. And but basically, here's the thing I want to say. When you read this, it's alarmist. And, and yet there's nothing really in it. There's no facts in it. He's not citing anything. He's not talking about instances of voter fraud. He's not doing anything other than asserting that there's a problem. And the way to get to, forward is to put a constitutional amendment in and let lawyers and judges decide our elections. Sound familiar? Instead of letting our legislature, the people elected by we the people, decide major policy decisions like whether we should have the word male, male and female be uh, mean sex, sex mean male and female or sex mean the word sex mean male, female, transgender, anything else. He, they would prefer to have judges make these decisions. And my, again, my point here, by response to Kevin, is that um, the, uh, the reality is they're trying to... Uh, distract us and raise alarms for the fall. And I actually think it's, um, I think it's more um, back to the beginning of this program. I do think that there's one part of it. Richard Hassan is probably not a part of this, but he's falling victim to it. There's a, there's a, a way to think of, of the people who are, are um, participants in, the, in, a, in an effort like communism. You call them collaborators. And sometimes they call them unwitting dupes, but more likely collaborators. They're directionally helping the chaos, even if they may not be signed on to the whole mission. But writing about how flawed the election system is, is an invitation for degrading the election system. And it's gotten to me, it's, it, to me, it's gotten so depressing that I will sometimes say to myself, what happens after Trump wins? Because he won once and they didn't stop doing any of this. In fact, they ramped it up. So is there any chance it's ever going to get better? Some day at times it feels like that. But the fact is we can't risk it. We have to go forward and make sure to do our best. But check out that column. I'll put it up in, my, uh, in, in social media, and you can see how crazy uh, the uh, left is and Professor Hassan in terms of their direction uh, on the thing. And, and I will say the one thing we've talked about a number of times, and we'll talk again with uh, John Schlafly uh, about it in one of his columns, is the problem of election uh, mail-in ballots could be the biggest threat we've seen in a long time so all right we got to take a break we got to wrap things up i mean i'll take a break thank you as usual for uh listening to the program don't forget uh, proamericareport.com to sign up there and stay looped in also go to the answer get the show as a podcast support andrea k and our many sponsors uh thank you as always to randy who's in for noah uh driving the train keeping us on track joanna helps us book all these great guests and produce the show and especially thank you all for listening we'll be back tomorrow night it's ed martin right here on the pro america Report. Talk to you tomorrow night.